0: So you guys may notice something's a little bit different with this episode. We're in a yacht in Croatia hosted by Inez and it rents for $150,000 a week. And we got it for completely free. They were so gracious to let us stay on this yacht. It is an absolutely
1: incredible experience. Very cool intro, by the way. We're gonna be walking all the way up to the top deck to be shooting a podcast with Enes himself. It's gonna be an amazing episode.
0: I mean, we've never done anything like this before on the Ice Coffee Hour. So make sure to subscribe and hit the like button. Would mean a lot to us. And now let's go see Ennis.
1: Before we go into that, if you're a business owner, I'm sure you know that managing a bunch of different systems, spreadsheets, and softwares can be a massive headache. So wouldn't it make sense to have one software instead of 10 that covers
0: all of the back end of your business? Well, that software exists, and it's called NetSuite by Oracle, our sponsor. NetSuite helps with CRM, resource planning, and more. They bring everything your business needs in real time, all in one place. A software like NetSuite provides the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. Plus, over 36,000 companies have already upgraded the NetSuite and stopped wasting time on things like manual entries and sifting through scattered data. They also help manage your finances, e-commerce, HR, inventory, and more. And for the first time ever, you can defer payments for a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That means no payments, no interest for half a year. So whether you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, don't miss out on this deal. Head over to netsuite.com iced to take advantage of the special financing offer today.
1: Again, that's netsuite.com iced as an I C E D.
0: Stay efficient and take your business to the next level with NetSuite. Again, NetSuite.com slash I C E D. And now with that said, let's get to the podcast. Enjoy.
1: Funny seeing you here, Ennis. Boys, how's it going? What what are you doing? Fantastic. Just chilling, you know? Looking at my cheese
2: plate. Uh, just hanging around, you know, not doing
1: much. How are you guys? Good, man. So good. Thank you so much for having us here. It has been probably the most, definitely the most luxurious experience I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, by far. I love it.
0: Yeah. Our Thank first you. European vacation, first yacht, first a lot of things. First really. podcast abroad. Yeah. Pretty this is cool. Fantastic.
2: Too. Well, I'm really glad to see you guys here. I'm really glad that you guys took this opportunity. I figured you guys would enjoy it, but I was kind of 50 50. I was like, maybe they would find it a little too much to travel to Croatia, get on a yacht, and then uh, stay on board for seven days. But I'm really happy to see you guys here. Easiest sell forever. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, Jen like, said like I got yes this text
1: from you to Graham and I, and it was like, would you guys like to join us on this experience? I mean, I was just like, yes, without question. So, and here oh, we wow. go. We got some. What is this? A cappuccino or is no, it? No, es- you and I espresso? are having
2: espressos, and then uh, I think Graham's having iced coffee. Iced coffee. Home brand. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thank you very much. Oh my much. gosh. And the oh, cheese. Geez.
1: That's right. That's right. This is the attention to detail that they have. They know you like six to seven of these per day. By the way, yes. that's, that's absolutely too much. We got to be cutting that down.
2: When you're in Europe, you got to have espressos, and life's good around here. It's like I was telling uh, Jack the other day. It's like. Simple things in life, a simple way of living in Europe is like what draws me. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't need to have a crazy coffee with just milk and frothing. It's a good old espresso. Amazing views. Simple way of living is what I enjoy in Europe. Yeah, people seem way more relaxed here.
0: I've noticed that. Maybe it's just like the touristy locations that we're going to, but they don't have, have as stress. high of uh,
2: income tax. Maybe. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Like, that's that's gotta be. It's it. like
0: zero percent income
2: tax. It's like U.S. Yeah. The United States is an incredible country, but it's always go, go, go. You always have to make money, uh, figure out your next paycheck. Lifestyle here is a little bit more laid back. Mm-hmm. And even like all the way down to talking to the captain yesterday, I'm sure you kind of gotten that feeling a little yes. bit. It's just kind of like, uh, we were trying to ask him on his finances and he was like, yeah, just, I wanna make sure everybody enjoys. It. And he's like, we make money. Like that was his answer. So I enjoyed that about Europe. And uh, I think it's a nice balance that myself and our team get to experience this. But at the same time we go back to us and we know that competitive edge it kind of gives us a well-rounded perspective no matter where we go yeah i can't tell if he
0: just doesn't know the profit margins or if he's like very humble about it though. <laughs> because we're asking him like how much is this how much is this is it a good investment he's like it's a good investment, but we want to make sure that everyone is happy and taken care of like that doesn't like what's the You're like give the us the ROI? Person, the
2: ROI. Yeah, how does Percentage. this compare
0: with like another investment? But yeah, no, like if you ask this in America, they'd be like, oh yeah, our margins are this, we make X amount every single day and we can optimize here and we could, you know, save a little money over here. This was truly all about the experience. So I can't tell
2: if maybe it's just a, a passion, pride I mean, or- We can dive into it later, but this yacht here and the way they charter it has to be one of the most profitable yachting businesses uh, on the planet. You know how cheap they build these yachts and i don't want to call them cheap they're like multiple million dollars but then how much they can charge for the charter experiences and the amount of bookings they have combination of it all is one of the most effective yachting charter uh business models i've ever seen Hmm. so
1: i got to know ennis how do you get access to a $120,000 a week yacht
2: in croatia for completely free well a lot of factors play into that Um, understanding business, understanding the people that you have on the other side and putting together plans that are win-win for everybody is the key, right? So before I even pitch an idea to say, you know what? I want to shoot a one week charter video. I want to invite Graham, Jack, Shelby here. I go, how can I make this a win-win situation for everyone? Because that's how I like to operate. I always think that there's a way to create win-win scenarios. You don't have to be the winning side to get a great deal. Uh, for them, they want to market their asset. They want to showcase how cool Croatia is, how, how hospitable they are with their crew. And at the same time, for us as creators, we always want freedom, the time to be able to create good content and be able to enjoy our craft. As you guys know, a lot of times when you get access to these kind of things, you're limited. You have a day, you have six hours, go do it. And it's still fun, but it kind of puts a little bit of a cap in regards to how much you can enjoy it and my pitch to them was give us the yacht for a week i know it's a bit of an investment on your end but that will allow us to do really engaging content that will allow us to showcase what it's like to really be on board and like truly get a vacation experience and at the same time because this yacht comes with 14 cabins we got plenty of space to invite friends Uh invite friends that can add up to our video while they create their own content. And once we started formulating it from that perspective, you guys got involved, Shelby got involved, and here we are. But on a fundamental basis, it's all about creating win-win situations. It's all about understanding the people on the other side and bridging the gap between what you can do, what they like, and finding a nice harmonious mix in the center.
0: And so do you apply this to every single one of your house tourists?
2: One by one. Case by case, every single asset we shoot has a different term, has a different catch, hook, timeline. It's all about, you know, there are yachts that we tour. All they want is their yacht to be seen. They don't care about the charter experience. They're trying to sell it. For them, as long as we come and tour it, we put a suit on, we make a nice polished walkthrough video, that's good enough for them. Here, it's all about the experience. Here is what you guys are experiencing right now. The fact that you wake up in the morning, you go for a swim, you get on a jet board later in the afternoon, you have amazing meals. And like you guys seen every day, they're like, what time do you wanna have lunch? What, th- what time you wanna have dinner? So it's a very curated experience. So just touring this yacht wouldn't do justice to the whole experience. That's why it was a better call cool to say, let's stay on it and let's give everybody 100% access. Got it. It's interesting, you were explaining to me yesterday
1: that you've positioned yourself fantastically. I mean, you basically have all of these super massive luxury companies reaching out to you on a consistent basis asking, will you come experience this lovely vacation here in Croatia on a yacht so you can make content, market for the company, and it's a win-win on both ends. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. You've positioned yourself incredibly. Thank you,
2: thank you, and it's like, we're in a, such a, like, you and I had extensive conversations about this. It's like, we created this business model that is super cool, in my opinion, gives access to people without putting the burden on them. Like, imagine people that are in their houses right now watching content. Most people will never have access to the level that we do. And I love the fact that we can produce a video that's cinematic, high quality extensive in detail and allowing people to experience it for absolutely free. Mm-hmm. One of the things that as a team, we take extreme pride on is the fact that we've gone to this point and to this level of access without selling a merch, without selling a course, without doing any kind of subscription. And it's amazing to me that we have managed to create the business model that can work with businesses and help them finance or fund some of our operation in a mutually agreed way and give basically even more value to the viewership. And uh, that's what we focus on. And because the level of content we produce or because the level we do our business and these assets wanna be showcased at that premium level, they feel like it's worth an investment on our side. They can just trust us with their assets. And then we know how to make a content and it just works for everyone.
0: So for those that aren't familiar, could you discuss how you got started doing all this? Where did the idea come from?
2: Long story short, I used to live in Texas. I used to develop properties. So I built a love for real estate over a long period of time. I've invested in a lot of properties. Then I always wanted to move to LA. I moved to LA and then that's where Mikey comes in. Uh, I knew Mikey back then from Texas and he was always into photography, videography. And when I became agent in LA, I was like, well, it would be cool to make some content as you know, super competitive. Uh To be able to differentiate yourself as a real estate agent in Los Angeles is so difficult. So I called Mike, I was like, why don't you come live with me? Uh, On this side, we'll make some content, we'll start a YouTube channel together. It was really based on me building a real estate career or like a name, so Uh to speak. And as we started making the videos, both of us saw the potential and kind of the light uh, in regards to how big this can be. And both of us were keen to improve whatever we do at the time. So we were like, look, let's try to get better houses. Let's try to spend a couple more hours. Let's try to make better videos in general. And one thing led to another and the competitive spirit, ambitious spirit, just built it up one step over another. And I think we were very, I don't wanna say careful, but we were very articulate about how we use each opportunity to just barely open the next door so we always aim for a little bit more than we can choose so to speak and if we got a four million dollar house we always knew okay now we got to get to an eight million dollar house ten million dollar house and one thing led to another team expanded our goals grew Uh, i've totally ditched my real estate career because i was so keen on this and quite frankly i enjoyed it more than real estate too Mm -hmm. Uh, you know sales side of it and um here we are Like it all happened in the last four years, give or take. And um, I look back and I'm like, wow, the four years were just so dense. We, We shot 250 plus homes. We've traveled so many different countries, but in a weird way, it also feels like it was just yesterday. But before we get into
1: that, we just teleported to our studio to discuss something incredibly important in today's day and age, and that would be data privacy.
0: Hey, my name is Jack Selby. Hi. Why are you putting my name out there? Well, your name and all your information is online already, so I could just pretend to be you now. Oh, you know what's also cool? I could open up credit cards in your name. I could open up bank accounts even. It's gonna be fun. Sorry to break it to you, Graham, but I have Delete.me. See, people like Graham are exactly
1: why you need to take precautionary measures to remove all your
0: data online and to be safe. Delete.me helps you protect your personal data and keep it private. They specialize in removing your personal information from data broker websites so that you get a peace of mind knowing that you're sensitive, financial details aren't floating around all over the internet
1: trust me guys there are businesses that operate solely off of the commerce of private information you really don't want to be on the other end of that spectrum and you can't fathom how bad it is until you're actually experiencing a data breach like that so check out delete me at joindeletemecom ICH20 to get 20% off all consumer plans
0: or you could just use the link in the description with the promo code ICH20 again that's 20% off and now with that said get back to the podcast.
1: Yeah I got to know how do you guys take it to the next level from here because I look at your recent content and it's like touring the most expensive penthouse to ever exist and you're touring stuff like that or touring the most expensive RV, touring the most expensive yacht. It's like where do you take it to the next level? You can't get more expensive than the most expensive.
2: That's a great question and this challenges us as a team all the time right? Uh, YouTube really benefits the title most Mm -hmm. biggest whatever that is um but to me narrative is so important to me how you tell the story is really when you can differentiate yourself i mean i use this weird analogy but like look at david dobrik he built this massive following and he built the people around him to such high level with a camera and sometimes without even a shotgun mic it's all about the story. It's all about how you put together a video that engages with people. So obviously we've gotten access to incredible properties and we will going forward. But now we're focusing on making less videos and really going a little bit more in depth. Mm-hmm. You know, talking with the owner, trying to understand the story. A lot of times we end up asking for a few day access just because we're like, look, as a team, we wanna come. We wanna walk the grounds. We wanna see how this place feels, right? So. From a basic outline, if you look at our videos from a year ago and now, mm-hmm. you would think that they're 95% different. But the 5% difference that we have you know, versus a year ago, to me makes the biggest difference because now we're really going into the story. Now we're really going into touring it. If you look at our tours between an RV tour and a vacation rental and a yacht, we all have different feel uh, within the video. I dress up differently the way we shoot is different. Sometimes we should a little bit more architectural. Sometimes we should a little bit more vloggy. Sometimes mm. we should a little bit more precise and like to the point and more informative. And curating these kind of videos and really differentiating these experiences is where we are going next. And I think we are at a point now and the type of assets we feature calls for that. Really. And um, I think this is where we're gonna start making videos where we can look back and say, you know what? I don't think anybody is ever going to produce a video like this. I don't think anybody is going to get access to Michael Jordan's home. Spend two days there, write voiceovers, get footage from MBA and put together a video that's like a legacy video. That's one of the reasons why I, to some aspects, differentiate our, or like separate our business from YouTube a little bit and not be in the mercy of like, did we get 20 million views this month? You know, I want that to not matter as much. I want to be able to look at our team and say, you know what? How do we create the best video possible that still makes financial sense? Let's go do that. Let's be proud of our work and then we'll figure out the rest. And maybe it's a twisted way of looking at business because it's so reliant on YouTube. But I think there's an appreciation for high quality content. There's an appreciation for, wow, even though this video is 40 minutes, it seems like these guys spend a week over there. shot everything. And maybe this voiceover took them a week to do it, but like it was so meaningful. It has so much depth to it. And uh, maybe I'm getting overly passionate about our product and what we do, but like screw it, why not? You know, if if we're not gonna do it, who's gonna do it? And we enjoy doing it. And um, I think as a team, we all appreciate when we push it to that level and the relationships we built and the interactions we get with the homeowners, with the properties, it kind of enlines us a little bit too. And personally, I get a lot of joy out of that. So walk us through the Michael Jordan deal. It took us little more than a year and a half to get access to that property. Initially, when we reached out, they didn't wanna do it. It's owned by Michael Jordan. And they're always worried about how the property is showcased. But long story short, email after email, email after email, finally, they gave us an opportunity to talk and after a long process of approvals and permits and like, um, access we got uh we got to the property i believe like six or seven months ago we shot the video we didn't tell anyone we took about two months to edit it and we released it, and it's one of our best videos ever. And personally, it was unreal, the fact that we got a chance to tour Michael George's properties. How do
0: you you get the contact to begin with on that?
2: Um, I worked my way through the agent. It was initially kind of a tough one for us to get access, but then Compass was the brokerage uh, for the listing. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to the PR team of Compass. I was like, you guys know us. The issue is sometimes when we reach out to people, they may not know who we are. And it takes a minute for someone to understand the level of detail we go and how professional we are and how respectful we are to the property. But Compass kind of backed me up. They were like, look, you really have to consider this guy and his team. Like, they're really good. They're really professional. They'll work with your terms. After that, they really considered us seriously. And it was basically, they were like, look, you'll come and shoot the video. You'll do the video. Once it's complete, you need to send us a draft. This person needs to approve. This person needs to approve. This person needs to approve. And at the end, Michael Jordan himself needs to watch it. Once we go through everybody and everybody's happy, then we'll give you the green light. And they were like, at some point, somebody's like, no, this is not good. Like we need to throw this video away. You need to be okay with that. And I was just like, dude, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Yes, I was like, I will take all the risk. Don't worry about it. I wanna come and do it. We went there as a team over two days, we shot it. And in fact, uh, I can't remember, but I think we were going Europe, right, before it, too. We shot that on, like, a couple hours of sleep. Mm. Like, we grinded that video, but now looking back, it was all worth it. Did they ask for any edits? Believe it or not, one or two changes. They were really happy with it. Really? So you're saying Michael Jordan knows who you are? Yes. He watched your video. Yeah. How does that feel? Is that cool? feels incredible. Uh, I was telling this to Mikey while we were over there, I was just so focused on the task. I was just kind of like, nail this video, you know, do your best, best job possible. Then we shot the video, we were just so exhausted. And then once cameras were off, I was just walking the grounds. I was like, oh my God, like, how did I ended up here? It's just like, I'm walking around Michael Jordan's home, just like seeing the grounds and just realizing that like, in a small way we played part in history like this is one of the most internationally recognized individuals uh-huh. on the planet and grew up watching michael jordan you know i used to be a basketball player i used to play in middle school and high school and i was just like it sometimes scares me because i genuinely am so casual about this stuff like in my mind it is all supposed to work out this way like when we get access to these individuals when i was with tommy i got a nervous a little bit but i was like this is so normal like tommy it, being tommy hilfiger tommy being tommy hilfiger i was like this is calling tommy at this point yeah people are not going yeah, to know yeah tom boy, <laughs> you know, oh tommy yeah, literally in the video deal. i asked him i was like would you like me to call you mr hilfiger or tommy he was like tommy um so in some capacity i kind of forget that this is reality and yeah. it feels so normal to me but then i get these moments where i'm like dude this is Michael Jordan. You just spend 48 hours around this property. We got access to everything. And, uh, it's mind blowing. So it's like these like weird highs and weird, like these calm norms that I, I go through. Um, but I kind of like it. I like a good challenge. I like a nice environment change and I like a little pressure in regards to like, I'm a foreigner. I still can improve the way I talk. I still can learn more about the things we talk about. So, I like that constant challenge and it's kind of rewarding to see that evolution, like go look at our videos a year ago, I mean three or four years mm-hmm. ago and now they're so different. Yeah.
0: What surprised you the most about Michael Jordan?
2: I think the property not selling, quite frankly. Even to some aspect, I consider buying it because I think it's at a great, great much, price point. How much was it? It's about 40, $14 million. $14 million. $14 million. It's a massive 40,000 square foot compound, multiple acres. The problem is, what do we do if we live in Chicago? That's the problem. But that was the most um, interesting aspect. And um, again, I think like every once in a while it hits me, I'm like, we toured Michael Jordan's property. How cool is that? So,
0: so why do you think it hasn't sold? Do you think there's a price where it
2: might make sense? It's just a unique offering. Okay. It's not necessarily in the heart of Chicago. It's a little bit out. It's a really big property. And to some aspects, it needs a remodel but then you kind of kill the character of the fact that Michael Jordan lived there. The furniture inside of the house is worth that much alone. But the catch is you can never take out the furniture and sell it. It either needs to stay in the home or it needs to be like basically burned out. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In
0: Williamsburg,
2: Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing, whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Like you cannot market the furniture, you cannot sell it. So there's like weird stipulations around the property. Why is that? I think it's just because the IP, Nike being involved. Ah, I see. They don't want someone to leverage that. You cannot Airbnb the house. You cannot have any commercial uh, interest within. So you can't sell Michael Jordan's bed. Basically, that makes sense Um, so all that coming together just makes it a little bit of an interesting offering Mm. where it may not be for everyone But like I'm just shocked that a celebrity didn't buy it yet. And just just so they can say I own Michael Jordan's song.
0: Yeah, Uh, it was interesting. Uh, We I did a review of 50 cents house and I believe it was originally listed more than $10 million. The
2: one in Connecticut, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. no buy. house.
0: Yeah, no buy. I and mean, then I think it sold for like $3 million $3, or four million. It was something insane. It was you know 50,000 square feet, 40,000 square
2: feet. It was insane. Yeah. You know who previously owned the house? Uh Mike Tyson. So Mike oh, Tyson sold no it way. privately to... 50 Cent at his like pinnacle. 50 Cent had his whole crew living there with him, like the yeah. whole G-Unit era. Yeah. Like they were like literally the people, like the celebrity, there. MTV yeah. Cribs and all that. And uh, we were just at the cusp of being a big channel. This is what, like, that is one of those opportunities. I'm like, ah, I wish I'm a big 50 Cent fan. Yeah. So 50 Cent, if you're watching this mm-hmm. video, like I would love to tour whatever house you have. Yeah. I'm just such a big 50 Cent fan. Um, it's one of those homes I'm like, ah, I wish we got that. I think they're remodeling it right now.
0: Yeah, my understanding it needed a lot of work, but like at
2: three and a half million bucks, imagine living in 50 cents house That, so I feel cool. like if I saw that now, I would have probably bought it. Yeah. Just for the uh, heck of it. Um, I have a question for you guys. You guys are both in the YouTube space for such a long time. Graham, you're, you played a significant contribution for us to even start a YouTube channel to begin with, yet along our success. When you see us featuring these kind of assets, Michael Jordan, most expensive this, that, how does it make you feel? Or like, what do you think about it all?
0: I'm super excited about it. I'm happy and I get to now watch as a viewer and I get to see like an inside look into these houses through you guys. So for me, it's just, it, it's incredible to see. It's cool to see the come up because I feel like so, so many of us all like started around the same time, like have our journey together from the, from the beginning to now, I think is really neat.
1: Jag, what do you think? I think it's really cool. I love watching your content because not only do I get to see obviously like incredible homes and everything like that, but I also get to like feel like I'm also there. Because I know you and Mikey very well now. So it's 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 nice that I feel like, oh, I get to walk through the most expensive pet house with my two buddies. Like that's kinda cool. I like how personal you guys are on the camera as well. Like you're very like friendly and you know back and forth.
0: And you get to learn a
1: lot about style. <laughs> yeah, I get to learn a lot and about style. Showing you yeah, about we've been having a lot of discussions size, yeah. about style. Ennis has Immaculate style like everything that he wears just blows me away. So I appreciate that was a a nice talking point last night I'm sure we'll discuss it in this podcast. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I mean it's like At this point the, the the aspects of our videos as a whole has gone Really difficult to improve right like I feel like we're maximizing our DSLR cameras at some point We probably need to up our production gear to new set of cameras. I don't know what that looks like. I know Mikey is cooking few ideas already in his mind. Um, But then I look at it as like, I'm always a believer in constant evolution, constant improvement. And to me, I think self-awareness is such an interesting, but a rewarding Mm -hmm. thing. So to me, as we evolve the content, as we've gotten better at what we do, whether it's our videographers, shooters, editors, myself, how I present myself, And uh, how I carry myself and one of the aspects of that is that as we we increase the quality, as we showcase even better assets, I feel like I need to match up to them as well. And there's a fine line between matching that level of luxury, wearing a $5,000 suit, wearing an expensive watch, but then I still wanna retain that I am your friend. I really don't want you to be intimidated. I want you to be able to watch this video, you know, at your house, in your living room, comfortable. And I think that's one of the things that differentiate us, no matter how exclusive this content gets, I still want people to know that it's innocent Mikey, it's two friends, there's no need to be intimidated. Please tag along with us, feel comfortable, watch our videos. And um, it's one of those things that I'm feel very happy that like we broke, which is this need of being pretentious or like having to live up to this like high imagery because we represent luxury assets. In my mind, I want to be like, screw that. Like we can showcase something so beautifully and we can still make it look very exquisite. But at the same time, we can be very friendly and we can be very like just, uh, open hearted to people. Yeah. One thing that I was so
1: surprised to learn, I learned that a little bit ago about you and your business is the amount of an like amazing byproducts on, Un- unknown byproducts that your business has so like obviously you go get to spend a couple days with tommy hilfiger right you go i'm not going to name drop any other people because it's it's not known publicly but your phone book is insane and you get to spend time with billionaires all of the time you get access like the highest level of access without actually having the like the wealth the money that all the other people need in order to access these things when did
2: you realize that this was going to be a possibility with the channel so this is a very interesting topic and i don't think a lot of people know this but the difference with us is let's say you're a billionaire or a celebrity and we're going to tour your house normally when you meet someone let's go through the trajectory. you would meet them go for lunch dinner coffee you get introduced to them maybe you hang out with them a couple of times and then maybe you get the chance to hang out with them intimately at their own house, have a one-on-one moment with them. Mm-hmm. Well, think about my content, right? They're like, hey, Ennis and the team are coming, they're gonna shoot your house. I'm already in the bedrooms of these people. The fort wall is already broken, has to be. These people have to trust me, trust our team, and they're kind of letting us into their intimate space. And in a weird way, I realized that that immediately breaks the first few step, uh, first few steps. And we immediately get to know each other very, very closely. Yeah. They have to within a few hours on the property. I already have their phone number. I already have their email because we just set up a shoot. So understanding that and being a respect respectful individual and letting them know that we are here, to not only showcase their asset, but we respect who they are. We respect their privacy and we showcase their house in a way that's honorable and matches the style of their home. But at the same time, we wanna make it accessible to the masses. So what I realized is combination of our business and how we get to uh, meet these individuals, it immediately gets us to level two, three, four. That's why a lot of the individuals that I've talked to you about, I have all I have their cell phones, I have their emails and it's like, I'm already kind of in a weird way, friends with them. And uh, that is a very important byproduct that we get to benefit from. And it also gives us perspective because where we're going now, and I think one of the most valuable IPs we carry is the fact that not only on a weekly basis, we get to see some of the most exclusive assets on the planet when it comes to design, finishes, level of service, we also intimately get to interact with the people that are the consumers of these services and assets. So that's giving us a wide range of understanding of the luxury world that I quite frankly challenge that even most luxury concierge services, and maybe the, even the people at this level that operate may not know because of the level of frequency we get to do. I have billionaire friends and even there, like Enes, we don't even get to see Quarter of the assets you get to see and like we're actually the people who have the money to buy them and our friends have them But the level of frequency you get to see them is just insane. It's interesting you call them assets and not properties It's assets because it's yachts RVs motorhomes luxury travel anything and um, To me they're assets and I find that world very interesting. I try to Really spend the time to understand it from these people uh, from these people's perspective And I think that's also giving us a unique edge when it comes to talking about. So
0: what do you think you've learned from all of these billionaires?
2: I think the fundamental thing that I learned is the fact that the way these individuals see these assets and what they see, what kind of utility they see out of them are totally different than public assumption Mm. and totally different than what we assume. When we look at it, uh, we go, oh a $40 million yacht, like why you need it if you only use it for five, six weeks? Well, what you don't know is the six weeks they use, the meetings, the interactions they have, the guests they invite, they end up doing $500 worth of business with them. It's so worth it for them to have a $40 million yacht. So they end up doing $500 worth. Of $500? <laughs> yeah. $500, yeah. What? Like, what? Oh my god! I got gosh. a little excited Leave there. that in, they leave lose that in, so Andrew. Much money. That's uh, There's a few times I was like wanting <laughs> yeah. to correct in us, but that one I was like, I have to. Head, right? Yeah, I know, I heard it too. I'm like, Did yeah. I make a bit bad mistake?
1: I'm kind of like... You, no, I'm guessing... You,
2: you, you, you say... Uh,
1: Projectory instead of trajectory. Yeah, you said projectory trajectory as well. Twice, yeah. yeah. Wait, so does that mean $500 million
2: worth of business? Yeah, like the people who have these like $40 million yachts, even though they end up spending only six weeks on their yacht, when they the people that they invite, the, the people they do business with, they might end up doing $500 million worth of business with them. Mm-hmm because they're such powerful individuals. Um, So So it's not basically just like a
1: display of wealth and be like, see, look at you guys. Mm -hmm. I I have this, you know, a million dollar yacht or whatever, 50 million dollar yacht. It's not like trying to live the life of luxury, but a lot of the times it actually has roots in the business.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Absolutely. Or like we have a friend of ours who has a lot of cars. And when I was with him like a year ago, he showcased me side of his garage with like all these cars he goes and it's i've never driven any one of these cars i'm like then why you have them he goes this is all for my friends when they come in town as soon as any of our business colleagues or like anyone that we hang out with comes in town they get one of these cars it's just like the way they operate their business and it's part of their like I guess, imagery and how they carry themselves. Mm. So one thing I asked Ryan Serhant when we had him
1: on our podcast, because he's associated with a ton of billionaires. He's got like a crazy phone book, I'm sure, of all of them. What makes them different than the average person? Do they have like a certain, I don't know, style or traits or different mannerisms than the average person that you see on the street? Like, what
2: differentiates them? It's really case by case, because they can be so different uh, from each other. But some of the commonalities I've seen, they're very fearless. Like to them making a $500 million decision is just the same as making a $100,000 decision. They're just so fearless. Um, A lot of them are very focused. Like when they work, when they think about something, like they zone out. They're just in there. They're shockingly calm. Like sometimes I feel like I'm a little too hectic because we just have so much going on and we have such a dynamic company and like so many things have to fall into places for things to just work out. And then I look at them, like I'm in the room, and I'm like, even though I'm there, like I'm thinking about a bunch of stuff, they're across from me. They're just so relaxed, as if they don't have thousands of employees and they don't have all this stuff going on for them. So um, it always shocks me how calm most of these individuals are. And um, less is more. They're just really focused on their business. They, they're just like, they have a great team and they only work on few things and they do them really well. And that's what really makes them successful. Do they seem happier than the average person? 50-50. Some of them are kind of so caught up in their lifestyle and who they are. I don't know if they're super happy. I don't think they're miserable either. Sure. Um, some of them are very happy. Some of them figured out, um, who they are and what really makes them happy even though they have this wealth and they have this image as byproduct of their success they kind of know within that system of what makes them happy and they just go do that and the ones that are really happy are the ones that can detach that high level persona and just be human and go like i enjoy playing basketball i enjoy doing these kind of vacations and i enjoy being able to hang out with my friends and get drunk every night and like don't really care even the fact that I'm a billionaire and they just go do that. Those are the ones that I see are very happy and I think it's deeply rooted into their like self-awareness. The fact that they're very self-aware is what allows them to be very happy.
1: I feel like if I picture a billionaire at somebody who's very like stone cold and focused like you mentioned, like I couldn't imagine them like relaxing and like letting loose and cracking jokes and like, I guess being like jovial in certain ways or or have you noticed that they can be funny and stuff like that (laughs) like (laughs) no no For me, Mm -hmm. it just feels so detached It's hard to like to see like to imagine just what it would be like or what character traits they would have
2: I know what you mean and there's definitely consistency throughout their personality and how they enjoy their time versus how they work, but I think the thing that I see with them is like when they do something, they wanna do it really well and they wanna really enjoy that moment. So if they're having a dinner with you, like they're having a dinner with you, their phones are off, they don't really seem to care about like messaging 20 other people during the dinner or when they're working, they're working. When they're talking to their designer, like they're in there. So I try to take that quality and then apply it to my life as well. Whatever I'm doing, I wanna do really good, but I also don't wanna overdo it in a sense that like, While I'm here on the yacht, I wanna do things really well. But I really don't wanna do that extra work. Like if we're gonna do social media, I wanna do three things and I wanna do them really well. Mm -hmm. And that's it. If we're gonna do a walkthrough, I wanna do it really well and that's it. Like we have a Turkish channel where we also do give or take the same thing. This is a big trip and there are a lot of variables. We definitely have the time to spin off a Turkish video. I just didn't feel like we could give the attention and the quality where I would be very stoked with the product. I was like, no worries, let's not do a Turkish video. It is totally fine. I would rather do it really well than just do it and kind of wing it. You know, now we got, have to get all the cabins reset back again in order to match to the quality that I feel like would represent us. Mm-hmm. There's no need. Let everybody enjoy it. It's okay, we'll do it on the next one, but we'll do it really well. That's kind of like what I see about them. Yeah. They just wanna really do the things and own the moment. Yeah. What really interested me was
1: that the, the fact, fact that the things, things that impress billionaires are nothing like the things that you would think would impress them. Like you were saying that they're not impressed by the most expensive watch. You were explaining that you are considering buying a Richard Mill, which are you know infamously known as like basically the most expensive right. watch that 250K you can buy. Two fifty k. Yeah, easy. 50K, like yeah, can they be in the millions
0: too? Oh yeah. Yes, one
2: hundred percent.
0: Drake owns one. It's like two three million
2: dollars. Th- <laughs> there's <laughs> one with a samurai that I love. Samurai. It's like, a, it's like a samurai figure inside of the watch. It's like. Two and a half million oh bucks God, right now. I, it's insane. I don't, under, I don't is, understand the appeal. I don't understand it either.
1: Okay, but but you were actually considering buying one, yes. right? And this was because you thought that it would impress the right people or the people that you need to impress to help out your business, right?
2: Well, like, I think there's an important balance. Well, at the at the level that we're operating, I think people look at us, meaning our team, as the people not only creating content but also individuals who lived this lifestyle to a certain uh, extent and be able to relate and showcase it in a way that matches the level of the asset, right? So they don't look at us as just like, oh, these guys know how to hold a camera and re- get really pretty shots. They also look at us as, well, NS hangs out with these billionaires. He can relate to these individuals. He can create the video in a way that YouTube audience can enjoy. But if a billionaire watches it, they also get their value out of it too. Mm-hmm. So it's a really fine balance, right? It, it, it to a decent uh, percentage, affects how we shoot the videos and how we narrate them. But to me, if I'm gonna showcase these assets, I have to live this life to some aspect. That doesn't mean I have to own 20 cars and everything I, ha- I wear has to be fancy. But if I'm gonna wear a suit, maybe it needs to match the level of the asset so to some degree i position myself and what i do on my weekly uh, you know uh calendar who i hang out with or what kind of dinners i go what i educate myself on to this aspect of the business and that also comes with appeal as well so uh i have a friend of mine who is a billionaire um and i told him like i'm considering buying a richard mill You know it it would kind of match our aesthetic and like it would be a good addition to our outlook right i see myself as a representation of the company so i want to make sure we maximize that as well and uh he said something very interesting he's like and it's uh the people that will recognize the fact that you were richard mill and be impressed by it are kind of impressed by you already meaning like more of the younger generation, uh, the celebrities, rappers, you know, the, more the people that uh, wear Richard Mill. He goes, I think you should look at us buying a watch that the sophisticated and really like that 1% audience may look at and go, you know what, that's not the most expensive watch, but that's a very curated watch. Only true watch enthusiasts would know. Mm-hmm. And maybe consider buying that watch. I was like, hmm, that's a really interesting perspective. And, uh or I can get a custom suit made and really spend the money on the fabric. And even a designer or a billionaire may look and go, this guy's suit is like very tasteful. It's not the most show or the loudest suit, mm-hmm. but look at the fabric he has chosen. Look at, look at the fabric he got used for his um, suit or like look at his designer and how curated the piece looks on him. So I started paying attention to, to these kind of things as part of our natural evolution. It's interesting because the price difference between a watch like that, which is obviously still extremely expensive,
1: how much yeah. is that watch? Probably like $30,000, $35,000. $30 to $35,000. And a Richard Mill, which you could get for one, two, three million dollars $3,000,000. That watch is going to impress a billionaire, most billionaires, we could say, a lot more, even though it's like obviously a negligible price relative to the price of the other watch that you were potentially considering.
2: Yeah, because like when you think about it, these individuals, whether I have $10 million, $50 million, or $100 million dollars, really means nothing to them mm-hmm. and quite frankly they're not going to be impressed with my wealth they might be impressed with my knowledge or your taste uh, our taste our team our operation how we carry ourselves right uh, so from that perspective this is a not a mostly is not the most expensive watch but it's a very tasteful and a simple watch it's to the point
1: uh, it speaks their language a little bit more than something that's just expensive for being yeah. expensive I e-
2: like. exactly yeah. and um, it takes a while to understand that language. I'm still learning it uh, as we go, but I started paying a little bit more attention to that kind of aspect of the business as well. What are some of the
1: things that, I f- that billionaires enjoy character-wise in other people? Like do, when you go to them, do you feel pressure to act like extra enthusiastic or like happy and smiley or like supportive? Because I feel like they're always surrounded by people that are probably yes men but I'm guessing maybe you have to provide a different perspective or experience for them, for
2: them to like (laughs) enjoy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's a case by case, but they always seem to be intrigued by people's knowledge. Mm. So if you're knowledgeable, if you can offer them a perspective that they don't have on something, even if it's something totally unrelated to their business or to their outlook, they seem to really enjoy that. So a lot of times I find myself talking about design houses, assets around the world, yachts with billionaires, just because they don't have the amount of experience we have seeing them. So they always end up asking really good questions or they're intrigued with our business. Like, tell me about your YouTube channel. Tell me about your team. Like, how do you guys Hmm. got to this point where like, here you are at my own asset, you know, my $50 million home. They're kind of curious how a YouTube channel got to this point. but again, it's case by case. Sometimes we go and the owner is a little bit wild. They're like, have some drinks, have shots. We are like, hey man, we're trying to stay sober for your video. They're like, no, 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 have fun, enjoy. You know, just like right before we shoot, it's like place of food. We're like, hey, we would like to just keep things simple. Like we wanna really focus on the shoot. It can get a little bit carried away sometimes, but again, it's case by case. And I think it gives us a tremendous understanding uh, in regards to people that are behind these assets. How do you
0: decide at this point what to tour, what not to tour, like what's worth your time at this
2: point? Like, where do you want to spend your energy? Believe it or not, this is a part that takes a lot of time for us because you get 400 inquiries. We probably eliminate about 300 of them very easily. It's just not at the price point or level, or they don't have like that really unique, interesting factor for us Mm -hmm. to ride it out. And after that, our CEO, Andy, and our operations manager, Victoria, they kind of go through it. They kind of filter it out. Obviously, we want to have a diverse lineup of assets, yachts, experiences, houses, hotels, whatever you name it. And then from there, we look at it case by case. Does it fit into the schedule? Is this something unique? Is this something we haven't done? Like, I'll give you a little hint. One of the videos we're considering is the most expensive rehab in the world rehab for celebrities. It will be an interesting video. We've never done anything like this. So we're considering doing that or going to a different country. It all depends case by case. And sometimes we look at a property. We're like, this seems cool. We'll do it. We kind of have the luxury and it kind of keeps it fun. You know, So do
0: agents at this point just reach out to you and say, Hey, I got this new listing coming up.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we just get so many inquiries. And where do
0: you draw the line though? There's uh, gotta be like a threshold now where it's like,
2: well we politely say we can't do it we're booked quite frankly we are i mean between now we're in may right now till september maybe we have like eight slots available the rest is kind of spoken for Mm. between some of the properties they're loosely agreed right like hey we'll come over there in august we may not have the exact date but we know in august we're going to shoot this home or shoot this property whatever it is so like between now and like september maybe eight maybe ten New properties we can consider. Rest mm. is kind of spoken for. So, uh, yeah. I just go for like what kind of value we can give to the audience, and I try to keep things interesting. If anything, what I would ask you guys is like you guys have seen the evolution of our content. What do you guys think with uh, what do you guys think in regards to the videos we're choosing or like the ideas we're pursuing?
1: I think they're good, but like you kind of mentioned earlier, you can't get more expensive than the most expensive penthouse. Yeah. So I think that shifting the whole I guess the criteria of how you would pick a video would probably be a good idea to a little bit more of a story a little bit more of a narration I like this because or the Tommy Hilfiger one as well because there's a whole story it's not just because it's expensive yeah but it's like the whole back end of it I mean the, the Tommy Hilfiger one, you got to show you guys on jet skis and stuff like that and there was kind of like I would say like a beginning middle and end I like that I yeah. think it's nice
0: yeah yeah I think history is a, is a- big a factor that I think should be considered. Like very historical properties or things with um they just thumbnail so bad.
2: They what? (laughs) They just thumbnail so bad. Yeah Yeah, it's always it's it's always a struggle.
1: Celebrity celebrity properties would be pretty good because then you can also use their face in the thumbnail which I feel like would be kind of interesting. Or
0: have them talking about their home with you. I think would be interesting. Yeah Yeah. no
2: definitely celebrities is an angle that we haven't really explored. Mm -hmm. It's also like between sequencing the production team scheduling and keeping a nice healthy balance has been so difficult it's probably the most difficult aspect of our business so i almost feel guilty of like Oh, like if I work with a celebrity, as you guys know, it's going to be a little bit of a last minute. It right. may come with like surprises or we may schedule the whole thing relying on the fact that we're going to get a one full day access of this asset and they may easily come back to us and be like, well, you have three hours. Yeah. Which we can make it work, but it ends up compromising the content and that's where it's like, it kind of kills me. Like you know, Right, but if it is better and it performs better
1: and it takes you to where you want to go, this then is it's that, worth it to, to yeah. make that risk.
2: Well, that's that fine line of like, leave your passion aside, make good business decisions. And that's the fine line that I personally sometimes struggle. I know Mikey struggles too, because like we're so passionate about making it as good as we can. It bums us out as a team knowing that like, like, hey, we shot the video, like it's gonna be good. But like, we all know it could have been so much better. And I
1: I will also say, I think that your current audience would also be fine if you were to maybe, you know how like 2 Chains had the most expensivest yeah. was like his thing? You could do stuff like that too, where yeah. you're not even touring something like a yacht or a house or something like that, but you're doing an experience that not a lot of people like they know about, but they don't get to experience it like because it's into too space, expensive.
0: I think would be an incredible one.
2: That would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. That would be incredible. I mean, I have so many wild ideas as a team. We have so many wild ideas and that's actually a good point. So like one of the things I feel like we're trying to, to expand our brand is using social media a little bit more because there are so many cool things that we get invited to. Just because it doesn't make it 20 minute long YouTube content, it doesn't mean they're not cool or interesting. That's why we really try to use social media, Instagram stories to be like, for example, a RV company reached out. They make these like really, really cool $200,000 RVs. Super techy, extremely well built. Extremely they're just not big enough for me to make a YouTube video. But there's. They would be so cool if you go there, get like 10, 12 stories, one post, and kind of give people a mm-hmm. little bit of an intimate access, that iPhone 101 experience of like seeing it. Yeah. That's why we've been way more active on our social media, on our Instagram. Uh, we're testing it out. Seems like people like it. I don't know if they're seeing it that way, but I'm, I'm trying to spread the variety of things we cover, whether it's a restaurant maybe but i'm just trying to take it off from youtube because i just want our youtube channels to be very exclusive a restaurant would be kind of
1: cool even the met gala would be cool That'd like be cool. if you got invited to that and you get to tour what it's actually like to set it up scenes, and to yeah. like the behind the scenes and then just walking through maybe you go like i don't know to the water fountain and you see like yeah. Dwayne the Rock like right next to you or something that would be pretty cool that would I'd be like pretty like cool too well.
2: i mean like i think analyzing businesses is something i always found very interesting like it, it, for example touring like a big stadium during a soccer yeah. game and then like analyzing how that business operates what it takes to maintain a stadium uh, little things like that or like touring an airport and with intricacies and having mm-hmm. the manager show us around and like how many planes and the planes they land i think we have the capability to do it right now we have a good thing going on and it's kind of like we don't want to uh, disturb our organization too much. But as we get more comfortable, as we build the name uh, to a bigger point where we don't have to rely on YouTube and YouTube viewership so much. And when I say YouTube viewership, I'm not saying that we don't want views, but maybe we're not so sensitive to how many views we got. Right. And then that way we can really pursue these wild ideas and do things that are even more unique, honestly. Touring a yeah. SpaceX rocket. Oh, yeah, would for be sure. Insane.
1: I mean, that would be so cool.
2: Like, I, I say it on every podcast. Like, I'm hoping that it helps me manifest it. But I really want to tour the White House with the president. Yeah. Like, I really want to. You do were telling it. me you think you have yeah. a good chance to tour the I, White House. I, I do, think so. I do think I have a good chance. And uh, I think it's like it fits what this country represents so much. United States. It's like all about opportunities. Anything is possible. I really believe in that motto because it's like i lived it like i came here when i was 17 years old couldn't speak a word of english i don't have a single friend and i don't come from a wealthy family either and like i have just grinded it. i just grinded my way out i've learned the language i've really gave my focus and attention to the culture i really wanted to understand this country and its essence and i really appreciate that i really enjoyed it i'm really proud to call myself an american and over the years just being able to achieve one thing to another that leading to another opportunity and here i am having access to some of the most successful individuals some of the most expensive assets in the country i genuinely believe anything is possible as long as you're honest you work hard and you mean what you say life will reward you and i really think at some point it's going to lead us to the white house i can't wait for that moment and quite frankly just like i said earlier somehow it feels very normal to me believe it or not i have no hesitation that we're gonna do it Mm. like i just know that it's gonna happen and it's not in any way being cocky just like i just know one day before you know one or two emails one or two phone calls and boom we're in washington yeah
1: i did some research into your team and i got some Mm. questions that you're never asked the juicy and i'm not gonna say explicit Okay. But very interesting details that you've never shared publicly before. I'm intrigued. Okay. So I heard that you used to have a car flipping hustle.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did. did. that work out all right for you? Uh, <laughs> I used to have a friend in Texas who was a mechanic and uh, he used to work on my cars. And then he would see me working on houses, doing other stuff. He kind of realized that I was a bit of an entrepreneur. He was like, Hey man, I always wanted to flip cars. I was like, what is flipping cars? He's like, I'll go buy cars off of Craigslist. Or like for sale by owners, do few repairs, get the things right, and sell it for a little profit. He's like, would you be interested in funding me? And at that point, he already fixed some of my cars, and I just really liked this guy. So I was basically funding him. He would either fix the cars in his backyard or in my backyard, and uh, we flipped about like ten, fifteen cars, really? which was it really profitable. Insane. We made money on every single one of them. Are you serious? Why didn't you yes.
1: continue doing it?
2: I just like. It gets a little messy. You have cars around for no reason. Uh, another funny story. So I have a, you guys saw my production van. Yeah. So my dealer friend gave me an access to an online auction. And there was this big auction in Houston that they were selling enterprise van fleet. All these vans were like issues, they were selling it. Mm. And I always wanted to buy one of these Ford Transit vans. And I got introduced to this dealer through my friend who was flipping the cars. So I go to Houston, there are like seven of these vans. And I'm kind of like, I can buy either one of the fives. Like they're all good to me, low mileage. So the first one comes, it's not the ideal one I wanna buy, but it stopped at like $50,000 or something. I'm like, this is so cheap. Like this guy's gonna buy it for 15,000. I raise my hand, they're like, sold. I was like, okay, well at least I secured the van. Things are good. Second one comes, stalls at a ridiculous price. I'm looking around, I'm like, I cannot believe this guy's gonna buy this one-year-old van for like 12 grand. Raise my hand, sold third one comes, the third or fourth one is the yeah. one that I really want. Sold. I called a buddy of mine who used to live in Corpus Christi. I'm like, you have to come to Houston ASAP. He goes, what'd you do? Dude, I bought three vans. I have three vans. I only need one. Even at that, I made so much money just selling the vans. I just wow. got them fixed up. Uh, at some point I had three high roof for transit vans. And I ended up keeping the one that Why I really Why were they so wanted. cheap? What happened? Dealership auctions that's the move you really? gotta go there
1: if you want to buy some affordable cars okay so what do you think about car flipping as a side hustle in general for the average viewer do you think it's viable like it what is definitely you... viable
2: uh and i think there are so many how to do videos on youtube now you can fix so many of these things on your own right. with few tools and just like um just even detailing a car fixing the paint job a little bit like there are so many of these like uh mobile uh detailers you can get a bumper painted for like 200 bucks so there are so many ways to elevate a car uh it's kind of a fun hustle it's like it's right up there with like couch flipping and like uh, refurnishing uh, mm-hmm. refurbishing furniture and all that you've had a lot of side hustles though you're you're kind of a a, a
1: grindy mm-hmm. mentality person from what i've figured out what else you got <laughs> you also i i heard that you're a realtor at yes. the same time driving uber
2: yes um when i moved to la you gotta understand my whole life i worked ever since i've been 14 i've been making my own money windsurfing, investing, I've never stopped. Ever since I'm 14 years old, I've been making money. So I moved to LA and I basically followed Graham's uh, real estate course. He was just saying like, he was preaching uh, doing rentals Mm -hmm. just so you can get your foot off the door and just like meet people and all that. So, but at the beginning, it just takes a minute. And I didn't know anyone in LA, yes, you hold open houses and like you door knock. It's just like first few months are kind of like slow. And I just couldn't contain myself. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't, I didn't want to just go waste money just so I interact with people in LA. And I have an S class. I was like, great, I'll sign up for Uber Lux. I'll drive wealthy people around. It'd be a fun way to learn the city. Dude, I was going everywhere with a, with a GPS. I didn't know anything about LA. Mm-hmm. So at night, I were doing Uber Luxe and funny enough, I'd done it for like a month, month and a half. Maybe I broke even because I would drive for two weeks and I would hit a pothole and it would break no one of my rims and way. I would have to spend $1,200 buying a new rim. But it was just fun. It gave me a perspective. It gave me a relatable point. It, it made me understand Uber in general. So it's like, uh, to me, life is all about what you make uh, with what you have. So even that I'm appreciative. Like I've enjoyed it. I, I made no money i never earned any clients from it, but I learned a lot about LA. Did you get close to getting any clients? I rented, I think one property out of it. Really? Uh, That was about it though. How do you bring it up in conversation? Uh, I just feel it out. Some people don't want to be bothered. So they would just sit on the back. I'm like, great. You clearly don't want to talk and I don't want to bother you. Mm -hmm. Some people would be way more uh, conversational and they would just want to engage with you. And I would just build up the conversation. And a lot of people are interested why you do Uber Lux. I'm like, I'm not even a driver. This is like a side thing for me. I would just say I'm a real estate agent. This is how I meet clients. Hmm. And a lot of them actually found that very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, And that was my two month Uber career.
0: Wow. I'm sure everybody asks, So, how is the market? Yeah, how is the market? What do you think? Classic, I get
2: that question so many times. I'm like, (laughs) we live in a different world now. It's so hard to predict the market. There are so many variables. You analyze everything, then a war breaks out.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
2: how are you supposed to predict anything? Yeah. You just go
1: along. So I heard you came up with this hack to make all of your house flipping way more profitable than
2: everybody else. What was that hack? So when I was in Texas building and remodeling homes, you gotta understand these are 100 to $400,000 homes. So you don't have a lot of wiggle room. You have to kind of copy paste, follow a formula, do what's expected mm-hmm. to turn around the property. That really bothered me. I love doing things efficiently, effectively, and I love improving the things that I do. When I was in Texas building, developing, remodeling homes, uh, the price range was anywhere from $100,000 to $400,000. And at that price point, you can only do so much. You're kind of limited to how much you can change the layout of the home and bring you know, quality finishes. And as I knew how to do the copy paste and the formula that worked, I always looked for ways improving it. So I was like, great, I wanna use better materials. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. So I have to find a way to get them cheaper. Appliances. Best thing you can do is go Lowe's one day a week to check out if they have dented appliances. A lot of times these dents would be on the sides. Well, if you place the appliance to where it needs to go, you don't see the sides. doesn't matter. So I would give people a $2,000 stove on a $150,000 home. Every time we would have realtors looking at properties, they're like, how can you put this stove in this house? I was like, don't worry about it. I became friends with all the employees appliances uh cabinets that are broken on the side i would get like a 36 inch cabinet i would have a side damage well if you put it on a corner you're not going to see the side now you have a 600 hundred dollar cabinet that you buy for 50 dollars because it's damaged on the side and you give it to the uh, homeowner so i learned the frequency and how lowe's would get um, appliances and basically the day or two after that, they will look at it all. And if there are anything damaged, they would immediately put them up for sale on a lower price point. And they would have dates on the bottom. And depending on how long it sits there, every two to three weeks, I forgot the frequency, they would get the right to discount the price even more. So I would watch an appliance that's like, $4,000. And they would say, now it's discounted to 2,500. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's still too high. I would just wait for the week or that turnaround time. And I will show up there the next morning. I'm like, you want to be the first person to see exactly. it. Exactly. Now I'm month. offering you 1,500. They'd be like, it's been three weeks. Yeah, sure. You'll just scratch it off and give it to me for $1,500. So uh, my obsessiveness to improve every little thing I do gone to that kind of ridiculous uh, level. And like there are so many hacks. Another thing I can tell people, let's say you're remodeling your house, go to Lowe's, go set up a commercial account, project what you're going to use in the house, pick the hardwood floors, pick the tile, pick the fixtures, pick everything you're going to use in this house ahead. Mm-hmm. If you have, I don't want to say division, but if you have the capability to see a project that far ahead interior doors, everything, let's assume that you're going to order $40,000 worth of finishes. If you order them at once, Number one, they will deliver it to you for free. So you don't have to go there one by one, pick up all these materials. You would easily get anywhere <coughs> from 10 to 20% off. Mm-hmm. Just like that, by literally not even doing anything and still buying the same material. And you can return them anytime. So I've figured it out every nook and cranny to save money. And now, like, that's why not only my homes are very profitable, no one could have competed with me. Almost every single home I flipped broke the neighborhood record. They still offer that? Uh Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I haven't been in Lowe's in a while.
0: I did something similar. Do you remember on the, the duplex, my washer and dryer that I bought from Lowe's? Yeah. yeah. I got paid to get a brand new washer and dryer. How did I it f- happen? I made $50 on this. getting it for free. I bought the floor units, and they were discounted. And yeah. one of the units had a dent on the side. And okay. so they gave it to me at a really low price. Okay. Well, both of them were were efficient. So for the state of California, they offer a rebate back. Okay. Well, I bought these, I got the rebate back. When everything was said and done, I made $50 buying these things. I so I got America. paid $50 <laughs> to go and get a washer dryer. Now that would not have been the case had I not bought the floor unit with one of them being damaged. Yeah. But the dent on the side was only noticeable when you look at it from the side. So if you put something, you know, next to it, you don't even see it. You don't even and see it. Was it was so minor It didn't affect anything. But I got it for free.
2: Got to roofing. I this made country.
0: money. I made money by doing that. So it's possible. Yeah, the right no, appliances.
2: There are there are so many hacks. Understanding, understanding how a house is put together and micro breaking it to points where like, you hire a roofing contractor. Thirty thousand dollars. I'll fix the roof for you. Great. What is roofing? You need to demo it you need to resheet your house, meaning you need to put a brand new uh, plywood, then you need to actually waterproof it, and then you need to uh, put your finished material. Mm-hmm. So it's a four part job. If you individually hire, and you're the one managing it, $30,000 roof job goes down to $15,000. Mm-hmm. So understanding these little things to maximize the value I can give to people who bought these houses was like my like motto of my business. That's what I did, and that's why I no longer want to do it because I'm like, I'm too much of a perfectionist to flip homes. I should be building like $30 million homes so I can go like all out, make it perfect and get that premium, otherwise it's not worth it. You
1: were mentioning to me that there's a billionaire out there, can't say his name, that you consult with on him building his house. Yes. And that's a way that you fostered this relationship and you've improved Uh it, is the fact that like you've seen so many hundreds of millions of dollars homes yeah. or tens of millions of dollar homes that now billionaires are coming to you to ask what type of appliances and like countertops they should be getting in their house.
2: I met with a billionaire who's designing a house in New York and like his his folder for inspiration mm-hmm. was screenshots from our videos. Like that's, that's what he crazy. showed his architects that yeah. are globally known. They were like, I like this couch, it would be an episode. I like this kitchen, it would be an episode. Screenshots. Huh, huh, huh. He's like, I watch every episode. And I'm like, you're a billionaire. You don't have better things to do, dude? Like, like you no, know, like we watch it every week with my wife. Wow. I'm
1: like, I wonder if you could go to those billionaires that watch your content and say, if i were to not make videos about house tours is there anything else that you would like to see cuz chances are if a billionaire can carve out the time to watch something cuz they're so excited to watch it the average person probably won't You
2: know will what it. that's a great question yeah, i should ask
1: that like what, if, what if they just answer. say like cuz i saw like the most expensive like two chains where he was like trying like the most expensive water, water. that's ever existed or whatever I, something like like a luxurious experience that they can yeah. afford but it's just so crazy and foreign that everybody wants to know what it's like
2: i feel like two chains was going for that virality yeah, and like yeah. almost like that common engagement like this is crazy that you pay two thousand dollars for water he would almost find these like absurdly expensive things yeah. uh, that's a great question actually I'll start asking that that's a great point point. one thing you always
1: say is that there is nobody that exists on this planet that can catch up to you how are you so
2: far ahead and like and why are you so far ahead what did you do so I think it, it's a combination of a couple of things number one I'm very ambitious and very competitive I think number two When I get involved with something, I just don't know how to stop myself. And I just go through everything. Like I learn every aspect of it. And number three, I always feel like I'm about 10%, not as good as I can be. And I always try to constantly chase that. But to me, it's always 10% missing. I watch a video, I'm like, I could have done this a little bit better. I think that keeps me going and almost gives me this relentless energy. And nothing makes me more happy than seeing finished product or a work that i've done that looks really good that just makes me overlook all the difficulties of it like it was the same thing with houses it would have gotten at some point i would get these big projects that are profitable but i would take on doing a lot of the work myself just because i want to do a really good job and i want to use that as a stepping stone and i would spend like. 16, 18 hours on construction sites, just doing the work Mm. and like running the guys. And at the end I would look at the house, I'd be like, okay, I'm happy. I forgot all the painful weeks that led to building this house. So, um, and I genuinely, and I don't want this to come off as bragging, but I genuinely don't know if someone can push it at a level that I do and maintain decency and like motivation. So you think you're just that much more competitive than everybody else? This was like this when I was a winter for two we like, You a
1: professional athlete, which yeah, I guess like, like you
2: kind of have to be I, this level. I, of I, I won three world titles. Like the, the last two world titles I won, I didn't win them. Like there was no competition. Mm. Like we would do 10 rounds, I would win nine of them. Like to me, if I won with like a fierce competition, like in my mind, I was like, I would have been like, I'm not good enough. Like I won by destroying my competition. And later on, I lost that competitive edge. I got injured and I've done other stuff. But like I wasn't happy with it. Like to me, if I win, it's like I have to win so far out that people shouldn't mention competition around me. As that's almost maybe too obsessive mm-hmm. and like in some capacity toxic. Yeah. I just don't know any other
1: way. We kind of had a little bit of a, a debate last night versus output or on output versus yeah. uh, effort. True. Which is kind of interesting.
0: Go for it. So my thing has always been to increase the frequency of uploading to maximize what you could do right now, because I feel like, you know, in many ways, you have such a unique opportunity right now. It's up to you to really maximize what you could do with it, even if that means posting a little bit more. You've been talking last night about scaling back.
2: Yeah, it's a tough one for us because we're like 200 plus videos in now. At this point, we've done so many tours, and I think at the beginning, there was a huge demand for like these tours. And we kept pushing the boundaries where we set the standards so high for these tours to go viral that I feel like it had a bad side effect on the competition. They're not getting as much views as 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 they used to. But at the same time, same uh, applies to us. Now we really have to make unique videos. Then I look at it internally. We have a team that I would rather have them be happy and creative than just working because things, not, things have to get done. And I realized for us to be stimulated, we need to make better videos. So on a personal, almost uh, uh, selfish way, I'd rather do less videos, but better videos. I think I would personally get a more joy out of it. I know Mikey feels the same way. Um, so on that level, basing our future on that personal decision of our personalities, then we need to look at it and go, well, if we're gonna make less videos, how do we maximize them? we raise the stakes, we bring more influencers, we we give more depth to the video, we use the social media heavier than we used to. And while we have the personality, maybe we engage with events, uh, consultations, and other stuff more. So I kind of looked at it as like, okay, if this is what we wanna do, how we can make it sustainable. Mm -hmm. That's my way of looking at it. and I think there's no wrong side of the argument because I think we can do what you're saying. It will be profitable business. Maybe to some aspect, it will be less fulfilling, but easier business to run. Now we have so much of the stakes, right? Think about it. You're building the entire business or you're, you're basing the entire business off of 40 videos. That's so dangerous. If five of them goes bad, now you're down to 35. Mm-hmm. They really have to come through. But I think that's when the confidence and belief in the team comes in. And I have no doubt, like we're really good. I really believe that we really work hard. Everybody on our team cares so much. I think we have a really unique production team that operates as a professional production team, but it's kind of a family. And it's a weird dynamic to have in this kind of media space. Uh, But I think we can use that. And we've been using that to our advantage. And um, I think as long as we make something unique, as long as we make something that are hard for people to uh, replicate, mm-hmm. there will always be a market for it. And I am just i just believe in that and I just commit to it.
1: I think that's what really distinguishes you guys is mm-hmm. the ability to go 10% more to like basically 99.99% effort on every single video. If you scaled that back and increase the upload frequency, I think that it would probably just blend you in with all of the competition that you're trying so hard to avoid. So sure. I think that it makes sense to, to scale back, but to really drive home the The videos to make them as as good as they can possibly be
2: like i genuinely believe we have the coolest job on earth it's up to us meaning as a team to optimize our workflow optimize the way we run our operation where we can really enjoy that and feel that way on every single shoot Mm -hmm. sometimes it gets really hectic you guys know the drill like you're out there you're grinding it out making it happen late you know late at night you're editing so my, my my heavy focus is more on like How do we optimize this? How do we make this more sustainable where we are doing our best mentally, but we're loving what we do. And it's a tough formula. I mean, it's easy, easier said than done. Yeah. But that's something like I'm heavily focused on this year to make sure every experience feels amazing. Every tour we do like teaches us something new. Now, I have a question for you guys, obviously reducing the videos down, increasing the quality still takes quite a bit of time, but at the same time, allows us to have more free time where we can focus on other stuff Mm -hmm. there are a few businesses that i'm considering uh maybe we make some online courses on how to be a youtuber how to be a real estate agent and showcase some of the best agents on earth because we have access to them i really enjoy fashion and clothing i'm considering partnering up with some brands for them to produce exclusive clothing for us because it needs to live up to that level There's another thought that maybe we should get into home goods, our own furniture that we maybe partner up with a brand. If you guys were in our spot, what would you guys do? What are some of the venues that you guys would like? I think if you offer like an Airbnb or like
0: you own a yacht like this, Mm -hmm. and you say this is my yacht, I'm renting it out. You're going to get this luxury experience that we curate for you guys. Like, I think that would do so well
2: interesting. That's a really good
0: idea. I
1: I personally think I I have no idea how product works, especially with like appliances, Mm -hmm. but I think something relating to really fancy homes like nice appliances could probably work out pretty well because I'm assuming a lot of people watch your content to get inspiration for Mm -hmm. what they want to build in their own home. And I know a lot of the people that reach out to you wanting to sponsor your content and like somehow be affiliated with you are companies that create those types of appliances and stuff like that and big sliding doors and windows and stuff like that. Mm. So I think if they're reaching out to you, they probably know what they're doing and they probably know that that can convert pretty well. So if you could somehow partner with a company that's already doing luxury appliances and goods and stuff like that and create your own line of it, probably it's, would be pretty profitable. It's going to be
0: tough because you're, you're thinking about like a homeowner's not going to be going and saying, I want to replace my sub zero refrigerator with a new, you know. Yeah, but Venice I think it's a lot of people that
1: are like looking at what they want to build or what they want to. Like people,
0: for a future so,
2: projection people yeah. are so but,
0: set and you know if they're buying melee and they, they want something that anybody from around the world they know sub-zero they know melee they know certain appliances you know I, I don't th- I think an experience that people could go to and I guess vacation, you mind, I think that would do the best I think cl- I think luggage travel suitcases and luggage, that would be pretty good would also do really well if you partnered with like Tumi or something you know something like that someone and, at that level yeah and, and you put your spin on it but then it's only a one-time sale, and th- and that's the thing. And good luggage is going to last like decades. Decades. So I that agree. that's your problem there. But I think a good vacation experience, you can tell their friends about it. They might come back every year. Like a, a boat like this. Imagine you make a hundred thousand dollars a week, and you talk about it as like your carsandbids dot com is your, you know. Your luxury experience. E plus you, charters, whatever. Yeah, and you could you know, do a yacht like this, but then you could also it'd be so easy to partner with a rental car company that does luxury cars. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe experiences where people could go hand gliding or, or maybe like a, like a jet. Get a like, taste
2: of like what we get to experience. Exactly. Basically.
0: And you could offer an affordable experience per person. 30 people want to you know, go in on that. I think that would be fantastic.
2: Well, I really appreciate that, guys. Thank you. You have any other like questions? That, I, th- I think I'm, I'm good. I'm just really happy to see you guys sitting in front of me thank in Croatia you. right now. It's kind of a bit unreal, but uh, no, I think that's all I got. I got to thank you
1: so much, you know. Ennis, <laughs> for making this happen. This has been such an incredible experience. Seriously. Mikey, come over here. Get come over on, here. Come Show on, your Mikey. face to the camera. I want you to wave to the camera. Yeah. Wave to the camera. Shout out to Mikey, too, if you guys yeah. have made it this far.
2: please yeah. just like, comment? Mo- Mikey Mikey basically created this entire shooting uh, structure here, three cameras. I even brought the cheese plate. He brought the
1: cheese plate. I mean, he's going above and beyond. If you guys could see the setup right here, that's the nicest camera I've probably ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) And they're just so graciously letting us use all of their equipment on this yacht that they've also sourced. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. So I couldn't thank you two enough. It's my pleasure. I wouldn't have it any other
0: way.
2: Yeah. Thank Thank you guys for
1: coming. Thank Thank you. Shout out Mikey in the comments. Thank you guys for making this happen.
0: We'll link to all of your info in the description. Make sure to subscribe. Gulets as well. Gulets is
1: down below in the description if you
0: guys want to check out this yacht for yourselves. Make sure to subscribe and give it a like. Until next time. Thanks guys.